please turn in your Bible, if you can, to Revelation chapter 8. We're going to look at uh, chapter 8 and 9 this morning. something happened there we're looking at the seven trumpets in the book of Revelation and my introduction is to ask this question why is the world like it is why do bad things happen because bad things do happen if you are in the habit of listening to the radio Almost everything on the radio, on the news, is bad. They don't really tell you good news. They select the worst things that they can think of uh, to tell us, because that's how news works. And there's loads of bad stuff. You think of the shootings in Paris. You think of the massacre in Nigeria, just on the, um, on the news recently, or perhaps not on the news recently. Why do these things happen? Massacres, tidal waves disasters. Jesus was asked a very similar question or commented on a very similar situation, although perhaps on a smaller scale, uh, in the Gospel of Luke. I'll read it to you in chapter 13. Uh, he said, of those 18 who died when the tower of Siloam fell on them, Jesus said, do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you too will all perish. And uh, Jesus used a word there, which we'll come to in a moment, but he said there is a meaning to this disaster. So Jesus himself tackled that issue. Now, coming to Revelation, what have we been looking at so far? We've seen seven churches, and there they are. And you no might notice that, uh, well, you might know that when, when you look at the seven sections of this one letter to the seven churches, uh, all, uh, five out of seven of them are told that they, as churches, should do something R, something P, something N, something T. Interesting that they're told this word. We'll come to that word in a moment. Uh, two of the seven aren't told that, but all the others are told, you Christian people, you need to do whatever this word is. And the, ah, that went wrong, did it? Yeah, the seven churches have got enemies. And we looked at uh, the enemy, the prostitute who allures and tempts the churches with wealth and glamour and power and ease. Uh, the false prophet who deceives the churches uh, could be outside the church, come and worship the different, come and worship the emperor, come and worship Jupiter, come and worship Diana, or within the churches, uh, worship God and you can go and worship Diana as well, that's okay, that would be false teaching. Uh, and we have the beast. The book of Revelation says that there are forces against us like monsters. 
we have uh, uh, the uh, part of that part of that array of enemies. Part of the way the beast operates is the intimidation of the state and the the threat that Christians must worship the emperor, otherwise they'll be killed. Uh, and there's a beast associated with that. And behind it all, the dragon, the evil one, the serpent from of old. And the book of Revelation says, uh, this is what's really happening. This is what's going on in your world. These are the enemies that you have to fight. And here is a map of the whole book. I'm not going to go into it, but it sort of explains why we've jumped so many chapters this morning. Uh, there are seven churches. The book of Revelation is arranged in sevens. We have seven churches to begin with. And then we had seven seals of world history, which we've just jumped over for the purposes of today. The, the seven seals of world history, undone one at a time as history progresses and comes to its conclusion. And then the writer of the book presses the rewind button and goes right back to the beginning again uh, and tells us the whole thing from the point of view of seven trumpets. There's a little break in the middle there, or not towards the end, which we're not going to deal with today. Then there's a section on war, and at the end there's a section on seven bowls of wrath then there's some visions, and then the final end. So the sevens are quite important. And I thought we, what we would look at today is look at the seven trumpets. And the seven trumpets call people to something. We'll see what that is in a moment. But let's look at the, uh, let's look at the text. So in chapter 8, verse 2, I saw seven angels who stand before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. And this all takes place in God's headquarters in heaven and part of the ingredients in what goes on at headquarters is the prayer of God's people another angel who had a golden censer came and stood at the altar he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints and saints doesn't mean special Christians it just means Christians uh, and the prayers go up before God, went up before God from the angel's hand. Then the angel took the censer. Censers is a thing that contains this smelly incense stuff, and it's linked symbolically with prayer. And he throws this down on the earth, and it's a hugely, um, what shall I say? Well, it says that there are, thunderings and rumblings and flashes of lightning and an earthquake. So it's a very tumultuous effect as this gets hurled back on the earth. So this comes from heaven. It starts off in heaven. The seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared to sound them. And here are the first four. First angel sounded his trumpet, there came hail and fire mixed with blood. It was hurled down on the earth. A third of the earth was burned up, a third of the trees were burned up, and all the green grass was burned up. So this trumpet, the effect of this trumpet is to damage the vegetable world, the world of trees and grass and, uh, and growing things. Then the second angel sounds his trumpet, 
and the effect of this is to turn the sea into blood. A third of living creatures in the sea died and a third of the ships were destroyed. So this trumpet affects the sea and shipping and it's sea turned into blood. Those of you who know your Bibles, do you know where there's another example of water being turned into blood? Plagues. Plagues. On the Egyptians, yes, Moses' plagues. So he's actually using language borrowed from other parts of the Bible, in particular the plagues on Egypt, but they're sort of multiplied and, um, and made more bizarre. And the third angel sounds his trumpet and a great star blazing like a torch fell from the sky. Sounds like something heavenly falling down onto the earth in a nasty sort of way. And this affects a third of the rivers and the springs of water. A third of the waters turned bitter. Many people died from the waters that had become bitter. Does anybody know a place in the Bible where you put wood into bitter water and it turns sweet? Yes, it was marrow, was it? There was a spring that was bitter. And who was it who put the wood in there? Moses, yeah. So we go back to Moses. But this is reversed, isn't it? This is wood which turns sweet water bitter. So he's sort of subverting that um, motif from the Bible, turning it upside down. Fresh water gets damaged. And the fourth one, the fourth angel sounded his trumpet, a third of the sun was struck, a third of the moon, a third of the stars, so that a third of them turned dark, a third of the day was out without light, and also a third of the night, which is an interesting thought, isn't it? So a third of the day was out without light, and apparently a third of the night was without light. So he must be speaking in a very symbolic sort of way. But this trumpet strikes the, the heavens, so if you think of it, if you add it all up, that's just about every bit of the creation that we experience and live in, isn't it? It's the vegetable world, uh, sea and shipping, trade, fishing, uh, the waters that we depend on for, uh, for drinking, and the sky above us, the sky and the heavens. So it's all hit as these trumpets are sounded, and it's a very... Uh, unpleasant uh, and nasty thing. So these are plagues like Egypt, like Exodus, but more so. And these first four trumpets, he's thinking of the effect on what we would nowadays call the ecosystem. And we're not surprised, are we? We, we, we hear that and it sounds very, very contemporary because our ecosystem is being hammered. Uh, you think of pollution, you think of uh, uh, things like the Chernobyl nuclear reactor, exploded contaminating water and vegetation uh, and putting clouds up into the sky. You think uh, things like that and you think of global warming and how people take more or less notice of that, but if you take more notice of it, you get really, really worried that uh, our ecosystem is being pushed and damaged, and if it goes on like this, uh, you might say um, certain parts of the world will become uninhabitable, life will change uh, 
very dramatically in the foreseeable future. So it has a contemporary ring to it, and these seven trumpets affect the ecosystem, and they are all calling people to something which we'll come to in a moment. Let's look at, and we ask, you know, so why? And that's, that's the point we're going to come to, why? Let's look at uh, trumpet number five. And this is really something, isn't it? The, uh, we're warned that this is going to be pretty awful. There's an eagle flying in midair, calling out in a loud voice, woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth because of the trumpet blasts about to be sounded by the other three angels. So something really bad coming. And this fifth trumpet involves all three layers of the universe in the book of Revelation. It's not trying to give us a, a map or a cosmology. It's just saying this is the way the world is. There's heaven, there's earth, and there's an abyss under the earth. So heaven and earth and under the earth. And so it, now we come to chapter 9. The fifth angel sounded his trumpet, and I, and I saw a star that had fallen from the sky to the earth. Well, that's quite similar to what happened in trumpet number 3, isn't it? A star falling down. Something that has moved from the sky, from heaven to earth. And this star is given the key to the shaft of the abyss. That's the bit underneath. He opened the abyss and smoke rose from it like smoke from a gigantic furnace. The sun and sky were darkened by the smoke from the abyss. And out of the smoke, locusts came down on the earth and were given power like that of scorpions of the earth. So there's a movement which goes from heaven to earth into the abyss and then back up into our bit. So whatever's going to come has sort of its origins in heaven, but also has its origins in uh, the world of the enemy and pops up into our world so and it's going to be nasty and this is takes the form of locusts there we are now that i've done the locusts but as you will see it's it's you then run out of you run out of possibilities as to how to draw it any further because they're such unusual locusts um, they they're given power like that of scorpions and it says that they looked like horses and they had crowns of gold and their faces resembled human faces and their hair was like women's hair and their teeth were like lion's teeth. So it becomes impossible to draw. But anyway, locusts. Is there another place in the Bible where a large number of locusts cause huge problems to a particular nation? Plague of locusts. Again, going back to Exodus, that was what hit Egypt. And John is taking the same idea of locusts and is sort of multiplying it a million times in enormity, in intimidation, in nastiness. So here are these locusts. They're given power like that of scorpions, verse 3, told not to harm the grass of the earth or any plant or tree, but only those people who did not have the seal of God on their foreheads. They were not given power to kill them, but only to torture them for five months. And the agony they suffered was like the sting of a scorpion when it strikes a man. During those days, men will seek death, but will not find it. They will long to die, but death will elude them. So that's a strange 
situation, isn't it? These locusts. They're under control. They're not allowed to do anything that they want. They're, they're limited. So they're not allowed to hurt the vegetation. So this particular, that's correct, isn't it? Verse 4. They were told not to harm the grass of the earth or any plant or tree. And they only allowed to hurt people who are not Christians. In verse 4, John talks about people who have or do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. And in the book of Revelation, people are marked into two categories, those who are marked with the seal of God, so some sort of stamp on their forehead um, to show they belong to God, and those who are marked with a different mark, the mark of the beast. So they're either marked in one of two ways. And these uh, locusts are not allowed to hurt people who have the seal of God on their forehead. So, they, so Christians can sort of breathe a sigh of relief, say, all oh, right, these, these, they don't particularly hurt us. And they do not actually kill people. It says in verse 5, they were not given power to kill them, but really to make life pretty much unbearable, but only for a limited time, to torture them for five months. And it really is unpleasant. The agony they suffered was like that of the sting of a scorpion when it strikes a man. People would want to die, but it's not a, it's not a lethal condition. Makes life unbearable, only for a period. And just moving down past the bit where it uh, describes them in this very bizarre way, their thunderings, their faces, their hair and teeth, their tails and stings. Their tails have power, this is verse 10, to torment people for five months, and they had as king over them the angel of the abyss, whose name in Hebrew is Abaddon, and in Greek, Apollyon. So an angel, uh, a, a leader, that is to do with the realm of the enemy. So here it is. Here's this fifth trumpet. And this trumpet is not striking the ecosystem, but it's striking in the way described there. And you might say, well, what is, is this trumpet being sounded at the moment? Are there things like this in the world? And I have a suggestion. And it's... Uh, I think it's a good suggestion, but I don't think it's much more than a suggestion. What sort of thing could this be? What sort of things tend not to be problems for Christians? And Christians have their, have their problems. But what sort of things tend not to be problems for Christians, but problems that do affect other people? So I've got some suggestions. So I put here drug abuse, sexually transmitted diseases, alcohol issues. And I'm saying, uh, in terms of tendency, a Christian's lifestyle will tend to protect them in that uh, a committed Christian will not be in a lifestyle of sustained drug abuse. So they'll be, sus they'll be spared the agonies and problems that come from that. And a committed Christian won't be in a lifestyle of promiscuity uh, and therefore will tend to be 
spared from uh, the, uh, the issues of sexually transmitted plagues. I'm talking in terms of tendencies. I know the sort of exceptional cases, perhaps somebody who's converted from uh, such a background, but I'm talking about a committed Christian in their lifestyle will tend to be protected from these things. And a committed Christian living a Christian lifestyle will tend to be protected from the ravages of uh, sustained alcohol abuse. So that's a suggestion. And if you look out into the wide world, I would say that you see this trumpet being sounded all over the place. That you see people's lives being tormented, troubled, uh, hurt, all over the place by these locusts, by these issues that are not lethal necessarily not, and, and, and can be only for a period. People can sort of be in a, a situation of drug abuse but, but deal with it and, and move on. But during that time, they might uh, say, my life is just unbearable. And the Re book of Revelation gives us this insight that it's not just a medical thing. It's not just an ecological thing. There's something satanic at work in these forces. Fifth trumpet. Sixth trumpet, even more baffling. A bad trumpet is going to be sounded. The first woe is past, it says in verse 12. Two other woes are yet to come. The sixth angel sounded his trumpet and I heard a voice coming from the horns of the golden altar that is before God. Notice, heaven is involved in this. It isn't sort of Satan having his own way. It's heaven involved. And, well, this I find baffling. But here it is. Uh, Release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. And the four angels who have been kept ready for this very hour and day and month and year were released to kill a third of mankind. The number of mounted troops was 200 million. I heard their number. So a vast number of, uh, uh, well, I've put cavalry, horses. I just thought I'd just try and draw the horses. That was about enough. Uh, so this is a sort of military campaign of huge dimensions. It's from the river Euphrates, and I sort of wonder whether in the Roman Empire this is, uh, you know, like the home, like we would think here in the West of, of the Taliban and the, what happens way over there and all the military things that we fear uh, coming from a way, way yonder, whether the, the readers of this would have thought, oh, the Euphrates, that's way over there like that, and here's a military force coming from there. The number of mounted troops was 200 million. I heard their number. And then there's another vision which is uh, undrawable and almost unimaginable. Horses and riders I saw in my vision looked like this. Their breastplates were fiery red, dark blue, yellow as sulfur. The heads of the horses resembled the heads of lions. Out of their mouths came fire, smoke, and sulfur. And a third of mankind was killed by the three plagues of fire, smoke, and sulfur that came out of their mouths. The power of the horses was in their mouths and in their tails, so it's not dissimilar to the locusts. Their tails were like snakes having heads with which they inflict injury. So similar, but not with the provisos that the locusts had. This, anybody can get smashed by these. 
And I don't know, uh, let's just see what we've got. So they're from the Euphrates. So it smacks of foreign invasion. It's planned and prepared, so it's not haphazard. They were kept ready for this very hour and day and month. Their effect is partial. They don't wipe everything out. It's one third. And they're extremely bizarre and dangerous and deadly, which is sort of saying the same thing twice. And there they are. And I'm not sure that I have got any more understanding to convey, but here is a um, something nasty which affects the world in this awful way. And is he referring to the prospects or the effects of great wars, uh, something like the Second World War or something like the First World War? Is he talking about the effects of terrorism? Thousands and thousands of people being just blown up uh, for just going around their ordinary daily business? Is he talking about the effects of disease? Uh, would it, Ebola be something like this? Uh, I don't know. Um, I'm, it's, it's quite a military sort of picture, isn't it? Uh, but why are there such things in the world? Why does God initiate problems with the ecosystem? Why does God, as it were, send things that make life miserable for people? Why do we live in a world where there are awful things happening on a large scale? Why? Well, I believe that the next two verses answer the question. Please look at them. The rest of mankind that were not killed by these plagues still did not repent of the work of their hands. They did not stop worshipping demons and idols of gold, silver, bronze, stone and wood. Idols that cannot see or hear or walk and incidentally, if you're thinking, well, actually, that's a bit old-fashioned because people nowadays don't worship things made of gold or silver or bronze, metal images. <coughs> but I'll tell you, people have all sorts of mental images. I like to think of God as this. What I'm trusting in is that. What I'm looking to is that. The thing that is biggest in my life is that. The world is full of idols, but they're just not necessarily gold, silver, bronze, stone and wood but uh, if you make an idol out of gold you're making it out of the best material you've got and people are still using their best efforts their best brain power their best artistic ability their best philosophy to make up a God that is not God Idols that cannot see or hear or walk, they didn't turn away from that, nor did they repent of their murders, their magic arts, their sexual immorality, or their thefts. The trumpets are sounding. The trumpets sound in the book of Revelation, and I think those trumpets 
are still to be heard loud and clear in our world this very day. And what are they saying? What is the call of the trumpets? What are we meant to take away? What are we meant to hear? I think there is a word here, and it's there in verse 20, because people heard the trumpets, but they still did not repent. And these awesome, awful trumpets sound, and they say, repent. Repent. They say, turn from these things to God. Turn from your God to the real God. Turn from the thing that looms so large in your life, that's the be-all and end-all, but it isn't God. It might be something very, very good. It might be something made out of gold and silver. It might be your family. You think that's the biggest thing in the world is my family. God says, repent, because the biggest thing in the world is me. It might be money. And you don't have to have a lot of money to be preoccupied with money. Please bear that in mind. You don't have to have a lot of money to be preoccupied with money. That can be your God uh, when, you're, uh, when you're living on benefits. You don't have to be a millionaire. Please don't think that. God says, if that is your God, I demand that you turn and repent and put me first. I can't help but think about, in a few years' time, how retirement is calling, and I can, I can see how easily that would become an idol. Beautiful house, always sunny, um, you know, grand designs, escape to the country, you, 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 you can see it. And God says, I will not have that to be the idol that you live for. It needs to be me. Turn from the work of your hands. Turn from worshipping idols of gold, silver, stone, bronze, and wood. Idols that cannot see or hear or walk. Because these idols always promise, I will make your life worthwhile. I will give you meaning. I will fill you with joy. But they never deliver it. They can't do it. They say they'll do stuff, but they can't actually see or hear or walk. You pray to them, they don't actually hear you. Try and walk with them and they're stuck. Repent. And he says, neither they'd repent of their murders, their magic arts, their sexual immorality, and their thefts. It's, it is a tough word. Do you remember this word was addressed to the churches too, wasn't it? to uh, five out of seven, you need to repent. And Jesus gave a very beautiful promise to the repenting uh, Christian. He says, I stand at the door and knock. So Jesus could be at that door there knocking. And he says, I'm not that far away, really. I'm just standing at the door and knocking. If you open the door, simple as that, I will come in 
and we will be in fellowship together, we'll, we'll, have, we'll eat together, I'll eat with you, you'll eat with me, um, repent, open the door, I'm just waiting to come in, repent is the word, so why is the world like it is? Because God is telling the world to repent. Like I was talking about with the pain uh, thing in, with the children, we live in a painful world. We do. Awful things happen. But why do we live in a painful world? Because God is giving a message which says repent. And what do you think would be the kindest thing? Do you think it would be kinder of God not to send painful things? Do you think it would be kinder of God just to let the world go on beautifully all the way to hell? What would you prefer in your life? Would you prefer that God got through to you no matter what it takes? Or would you prefer actually say to God, if it's painful, I don't really want to know, just leave me alone. It's a very good question, isn't it? God is telling the world to repent. Repent means to turn from idols which control you, which dominate your life, which you worship, which you look to for meaning, say you, I include myself, to repent and turn to God. C.S. Lewis put it very, very well. He said, we can ignore even pleasure. So when God blesses us with good things, we can ignore it. God can give us good things. We never stop to say thank you. We never turn to him. Don't open our Bibles. Don't pray. Think, oh, what a wonderful world. What a wonderful beach I'm living on. You know, palm trees, blue sky, this is great. We don't actually think of God under those circumstances. But pain, says C.S. Lewis, insists on being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but he shouts to us in our pain. And he rightly said, it is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. And we must be pretty deaf if we need such a loud megaphone. But we are. They still did not repent, he says. So I ask the question, what about us? Do we hear God's voice? Do we heed the call to turn to him? And you might be saying, well, I'm actually one of the two out of seven that doesn't need to repent on those two churches that doesn't need to repent. And I would say, well, statistically, you're probably on the wrong side of that. So I think the safest thing would be to repent anyway. And you could say, although the book of Revelation doesn't put it this way, but you could say that the Christian life is a life of repentance. That a Christian is always turning to God from Sin. We always need to be turning to God from sin. Uh, my uh, uh, 
dear Pastor Les, who um, sort of mentored me in my early days when I said something about repentance being to do with sin, and he said, actually, repentance is a preoccupation with God. It's not a preoccupation with sin. It's a turning to God. What about us? What about you? Have you turned from idols and sin to God? Are you going to? Are you doing it? Jesus is at the door this moment. Would you open the door to him? Will you repent? When will you repent? Now would be a good time. Will you ever repent? And in the book of Revelation, they're given those six trumpets to call to repentance because the seventh trumpet is too late. That's the end. Let's sing together.